Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I never take it for granted to uh, have the opportunity to be here. Uh, this is, uh, my whole life has been inf uh, affected by Pastor Charlie and Pastor Margaret. And uh, I got saved in 79 and started trying to uh, be, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And look where it's got me. So, <laughs> it's supposed to be a good thing. Uh, so tonight, what I, was, what I want to talk to you is, is about filters. It's the name of this deal. And we've all got filters that we see the world through. Like, for example, I got these filters right here, and they help me to see things more clearly. And, but if I get up in the morning and accidentally put Laura's filters on, I'm not going to see very good. And so we've got, we've got uh, spiritual, spiritual filters, you know. And then I probably have some filters that I need that I, that I don't have. For example, uh, I hear really good. I just hear what I want to. So, for example... I was telling Nate, and this will probably ruin this song for you guys for the rest of your life, but raise a hallelujah. For a long time before I actually saw the words, I thought it said, I fall asleep in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. I thought it was talking about Jesus sleeping in the boat. You know, I, I didn't, it made sense to me. But then I saw through these filters, I saw the words, and oh, well, it was even better, you know. I didn't have to stretch it near as far. But we've all got filters that we see things through. And so uh, a lot of us, we're not like Annie, and we, we don't get saved when we're six. And so she didn't have the opportunity to develop a lot of wrong thinking. You know, she's been saved her whole life. Well, if I would have got saved at six, I would have thought that I'd been saved my whole life. But actually, Annie can remember being born. So there's six years there that she, you know, was kind of running astray. But, but we've all got things that were taught to us by our parents, were, that we'd learned just through experience that were wrong. But it creates a filter that we, that we receive things through. And so, <clears throat> I think I'm, I'm going to approach this, and it's, it's going to go uh, 19,000 different ways. I actually gave them about 12 pages of Scripture, and so I'm not going to read them all. I'm just saying that I've got, that there, and I'm trying to draw all these together and make sense out of it. So, uh, hopefully, I can do that without my brain exploding. But uh, one of the things, one of the bedrock things that I think as Christians we have got to understand God is absolutely good all the time. Everybody says that. Everybody agrees that. Everybody, everybody, ah, God is good all the time, you know. But then there's a problem. They read the Bible. And they always want to start in Genesis. 
And it only takes three chapters till God gets mad and angry and, you know, and then he's tearing stuff up and breaking things and everything. And then they're trying, so they find themselves uh, saved by an encounter with Jesus that loves them and takes them from who they are so that he can take them to where they're supposed to be. And, and then they go to Genesis and they start reading through the Old Testament. And then there becomes these filters of, well, maybe God's not good all the time. You know, he allowed all this to teach him. And so maybe God broke my leg to teach me not to do this. Or, you know, so and you, it's easy to hear that kind of stuff from the world. The world is full of those kind of cliches. They're not scripture, they're wrong, but it's, it, it, it puts a filter on you. And so, <clears throat> don't get me, don't un- misunderstand me that I'm saying that, uh, that the Old Testament, just don't read the Old Testament. Don't, I'm not saying that at all. Because, and I'm really going to jack with the... Uh, Scripture people, because this is the very last scripture. <laughs> but Second Peter one three says, "I can pray because His divine power has bestowed upon us everything necessary for life and godliness." <sighs> He's given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these things, he has bestowed upon us his precious and most magnificent promises so that by means of what he was promised, you may be partakers of the divine nature. So we have to know the promises so that that's how we access what's been given us, is to know the promises. Okay? A lot of those promises come from the Old Testament. So what I want to... Approach tonight is the. I want to adjust our glasses so we can see the Old Testament and we can see the New Testament and we can see how how it all fits together so that so that we are not we're not accepting a mindset that is of the world, that is dragging us down when, when God has so much for, more for us, okay? So Colossians 1.5 says, He is, it's talking about Jesus, He is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He is the firstborn of all creation. And then John 4, uh, 1 John 4.17 says, In this, love is brought to complete, God, love is brought to completion and attends perfection in us that we have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Okay, so Colossians just told us that Jesus is the exact likeness of God. If you want to see God, see Jesus. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, if you see me, you've seen the Father. 
But then in Colossians it says, or in 1 John it says, because as he is, so are we. So that is, that is where he wants to take us. So when we see Jesus, we see the Father, and that's also what we're supposed to look like. That is what we look like. That is, that it, positionally, that is who we are. That's how righteousness can be imputed into us to the point that we are righteous. It, righteousness is who we are. My name is Frank Winter's Righteousness. I'm, I'm, I have God's name. I have his nature. As he is, so am I. Jesus Jesus got righteousness, and he put it in me. He imputed it into me. I didn't earn it. I didn't build it. It's just who I am. I have, it can't be taken away. So, so we have that's who Jesus is in the New Testament. So I want to just attempt to, to pull all this together. And so... In the in see the difference. Uh, the I don't even know what the word for it would be. The misunderstanding of God in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Okay, so in Genesis one twenty six, God said, "Let us make mankind in our image and after our likeness." And let them have complete authority. And then it goes and it names over all the birds and fish and everything that creeps on earth and everything, blah, 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 blah. So, but I want you to, the part I want you to see is the complete authority. That was, so we were created in God's image. So basically Adam and Eve were created in God's image they look like Jesus because Jesus. it says that Jesus was the exact representation of, of God. So if we're in the exact likeness, they looked like Jesus. And they walked in his authority. They, they ruled. And then Satan come along. Everybody knows the story. He, he deceived them, brought them into uh, uh, sin. And got him kicked out of the uh, garden. But, so that, that's what happened in the physical. But what happened in the spiritual was they took that complete authority and they handed it over to the one that deceived them. So, that is the distortion. Because in the Old Testament, the prince of the power of the air is Satan. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit, and I'm going to tell a story of Satan. He was a, an angel in heaven. He was the music leader in heaven. He, had, he was adorned in all these rubies and flashy, pretty things. And he said, I'm going to be higher than God. I'm going to be God. I'm going to rule. It's a pretty good liar because he deceived one-third of the angels. So there was a war in heaven. Well, it was a really short war because 
and it's over. I mean, this is God we're talking about. And this is an angel that God created. I mean, this is, how stupid is this guy? I mean, it's like the, a vessel telling the potter how to make it. I mean, that's what Jesus said. But anyway, so, uh, I mean, it, it, but, so he gets smacked down out of heaven. Where does he go? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning, and he splat on the earth, okay? And he took a third of the angels with him. This guy is a spoiled, rotten little brat, and he has a fit, and he just destroys the earth. That's how come it says, let us replenish the earth. It was plenished before. Satan tore it all up, made it dark and void, and God said, let there be light, made this perfect little garden, put all the trees and all the stuff in there, everything that has seed. And I, I wonder about this, I don't know, uh, but I don't think the whole world was covered with grass and trees. I think it was just the garden. Because everything has seed, and everything creates after its own kind. So he put all the stuff in the garden. This is just my thoughts. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, it really doesn't matter whether the whole world was covered with it or not. But that was Adam's job was to nurse everything along and make it spread and build it the way we were. He had absolute dominion. So anyway, he gets kicked out of Eden. And uh, so Genesis 3.22 and, uh, and, be, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like us to know how to distinguish between good and evil, blessing and calamity. So right there, Adam and Eve, they had their, these, I think they had these filters put on them rather than taken off because so say so they're blinded and so now they've got these filters so they can say this is good and this is bad. This is a blessing, this is cursing. And so from that is where religion is established. So so they replace their relationship which they blew up with sin, they replaced that with religion. They placed that with, the, with a system of rules of what's good and bad. So that, that's, those, that's the filter that's put on them. And carry that on out through the generations. We develop a mindset of, well, if I do 49 bad things, but I got 51 good things, I'm going to make it in. That is wrong. You can have 99 good things and one bad thing, and you're still going to hell. In fact, you can have 100 good things and zero bad things, which is impossible, but you could, if you could do that, and you would still go to hell because Jesus is the only way. So it's not, but, but, but when they were able to, say, distinguish good from evil, and set up, start setting up these rules to try to build their own, their own righteousness that they lost. Then that gives Satan, and he just took more 
and more and more because he's the prince of the power of the earth. So that puts God in a position in the Old Testament on the outside reaching in. But the cool thing is, is he said to the woman, you're going to have a child and it's going to hurt to do it. And I'm going to put enmity between your seed and his seed. The good news is, you'll bruise his heel, but he's going to stomp your head. He prophesied that before he kicked them out. He kicked them out for their own good because now he sees inside of them that they're rotten and they're accepting this this rule-building, religion-building mindset over a relationship mindset. And he says, we got to keep them out of here because we don't want them to eat the, the tree of life and live forever in this rotten, depraved atmosphere. So, so that sets the stage for the, old, the whole Old Testament. But he, he prophesied at that very beginning that I'm sending somebody. I'm sending one to deliver you. Well, he, he rocks along through time. He finally finds Adam, or not Adam, Abraham. He, he takes him first. He finds Noah. He kills everybody else. He floods the world, blah, blah, blah. Then Adam, Abraham, and uh, Isaac and Jacob and all of that. They go into Israel, uh, Egypt, all of that. And then they, got, then they have prophets. They start getting prophets. And the prophets start declaring. And they'd start declaring Jesus. Many of them seven, eight hundred years before Jesus. But their words are spoken. And their spoken word leaves their mouth and goes out into that atmosphere that Satan lives in and starts gaining ground. You know, and it's 4,000 years of human history was operated that way. And, but these prophets... The Spirit would come on them and they would speak. And the Spirit would come on them and they would speak. So another filter I want you guys to clearly, if you don't get anything else tonight, I want you to understand this. The Holy Spirit is driving this ship. The Holy Spirit is driving it all. So don't for a minute think, well, Satan's going to get so big and bad, and he's going to hurt everybody so much that we're going to cry so loud, and finally we're going to have the rapture and get us all out of here before he kills us all. Now, I thought that for a really long time. I thought that I would not live to be 40 because the rapture's going to come. I just knew. I, I knew there was no way I would see 40 because look at the signs of the times. Let me tell you, it is a whole lot worse now than it was in 1979. You can't even. I, I, I wrote a letter and put on it, in case of rapture, and put a magnet and stuck it on my refrigerator because I was pretty dadgum sure when Bill Clinton was president that Jesus was coming back. You can't get any worse than that guy. So I, I wrote him a letter and said, God will be not be mocked. You're going down. He's still alive. So, oh, so much for my prophecy. But 
I was convinced that it was going to get bad. The Antichrist was going to come. He's going to start killing everybody. It's just going to be bad. I had the mind, I had the world's mindset. But I remember one thing, and this was what God told me when I was in college, a couple of years, two or three years after I got saved. He told me, as long as there's one spirit-filled Christian that's on this planet, one spirit-led Christian on this planet, Satan can't rule. Well, that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Well, I'm 20 years old. I'm pretty dumb. You know, I know that in my heart is true, but I can't see it. You know, at that time, I'm, we're barely learning to speak in tongues then, you know. So, but the Holy Spirit is driving this deal. So, I better get going or I'm not going to get done. So, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on people for a purpose, and that was to prophesy, or that was to rule, or that was to take a jawbone of an ass and kill 40,000 guys. I mean, whatever the Holy Spirit told you to do, you could do, but it was on you. So, the Holy Spirit was still driving things, okay? And, and this, is, this, is, this is mind-blowing if you get a hold of this. So, John the Baptist comes. Matthew 1. Uh, Matthew 1, 2 says, Look, I'm sending a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make way his straight. Make way, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That was John the Baptist. Okay, so that's what the Holy Spirit says about him. And then, verse 4, in the wilderness, John the baptizer began preaching the baptism of repentance and for, for the forgiveness of sin. Everybody come out there. Now, think about this. His dad was a priest. I don't know if he was the high priest or priest, just, just a regular priest, priest, whatever. I, I should have looked that up, but he didn't. But his dad was a priest. He must have been pretty high because he went in the Holy Holies. But anyway... The Holy Spirit announced that John was coming. And Zechariah didn't believe it because he's old and his wife's old. And, he, and so the angel, Gabriel, struck him mute where he couldn't talk because he didn't want him spewing doubt on this deal, messing it up. And uh, it's, this is all right here in, in Luke 1. And... Uh, So he, the angel tells him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you good news and now because you did not believe my words which, were, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will be silent and unable to speak until these things take place. And so he was. He couldn't speak. He come out from there. Like they thought, man, he's in there a long time. I reckon he died and he didn't. He came out and he couldn't talk though which was a good thing. He had to put a muzzle on him so he didn't, didn't say the wrong things. Anyway, so then in the sixth month 
of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin and engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by the words and began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will, be, you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him a throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his king will, kingdom will never end. Mary didn't doubt. She just said, how will this how will this be since I have not been intimate with a man? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. The, therefore, the child to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Okay. Mary one of the most profound things in the Bible says, be it unto me as you have spoken. I wonder, I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven, how many other girls fulfilled all the requirements. They were related to David. They were all this. They were all that. They were something else. Fulfilled all the, all the requirements, and when the angel went to them and told them that, they said, I don't believe that. Could have. I don't know. But Mary said, be it unto me as you have spoken. And boom. All right. So, but the, the important thing is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's driving John. The Holy Spirit's driving Jesus. The Holy Spirit's. So, so, so all of this is accumulating into the Holy Spirit is driving this, driving this narrative. And so, so he had to break through, and, and Jesus was the one, and he is filled with the Spirit. So he, then he, he gets baptized. I'm skipping a lot. But he was led out into the wilderness by who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him out there to be tempted by the devil. You know what happened then? That's when the battle was won. That's, the battle was won, right? Satan was defeated when he was tempted in the desert, and he didn't fall for Satan's trips. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't fall for, for it. That, the battle was won then. It says the devil left him for a more opportune time and never came. Satan knew his number was up at that point. And then, but Jesus, he wouldn't have walked around for three and a half years doing all these miracles and everything to, to show us who he was. And then he died to pay for our sins, and then he went to hell, and then he rose so that we could live. And then the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit guy again, this fixing to get interesting. So he says, it is better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. He will be with you, and he will be 
in you. It's never happened before. Up until this time, it's been John, Zachariah, and Jesus. Now it's everybody. Now I want to fast forward to today. Some numbers that I learned, and, and I, I heard this a few months ago, and I kind of was like, I don't know if I believe this, but I've heard it again. It's been confirmed two or three different ways. There are 700 million Christians around the world baptizing the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. In 1900, you know how many there were? Not very many. 0.001 of 1%. In 1900, this surprised me, in 1900, there was one, one of 27 people that said they were a Christian. Today, it's one in three. One in three people say that they're Christians. And 700 million of us are baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues, and operating the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I don't know about y'all. But I've been around since 1980 as a Christian and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And for me, this just absolutely blows my mind. We, it was in the 80s, early 80s around here. You mentioned the Holy Spirit. You had a fight. Remember? It was a fight. And... And people, you know, well, that's speaking in tongues. That's of the devil. Well, obviously, they never read the Scripture because the Scripture says without the Holy Spirit, you can't even say Jesus is Lord. But anyway, a bunch of us read the Bible, and it started growing. But what absolutely blows me away is in the last 10 years, we've seen prophets arise. It's actually come, it's, it's taken longer than that. It's taken about 30 years. I remember when I was in college, and I'm like, I was studying the Bible, and I was reading, and I, was, and I asked somebody, I said, man, where's the prophets? And this guy that I was staying with, he says, oh, there's some up by, in uh, Chicago or somewhere, but they're, they're kind of weird. You know, you kind of got to stay away from them guys. And, well, it was the beginning of the prophetic movement. But what blows me away, because I know or I don't know, but in my life, my experience, the filters that I see the world through, in the, in the early 80s, the Holy Spirit movement, the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal movement, whatever you want to call it, man, it was, it was a struggle. You know, everybody wanted to argue. You know, it was an argument. And, of course, they read the Bible and they lost the argument. But anyway, so... But now, my point is, in the last few years, we've got guys like Lance Wall now, Johnny Enlow, uh, Hank Kuhneman. uh, I mean, and if you're really weird enough, Robin Bullock. I mean, this guy's awesome, but he's kind of strange. I love him. But there's there's a... there's a bunch of them, but the, but the thing that amazes me is they're not even questioned. They're just accepted. It's the, the Holy Spirit is driving this thing. So when you're tempted, like me, because I get discouraged, I read, I, I hear some news, and 
Biden bumbles along, and I'm like, ah! But the Holy Spirit is driving this thing. The Holy Spirit is in control, and we are under his leadership, and the sons of God are led by the Spirit, and that is us, and all creation is groaning, waiting, it says in Romans 8. All creation is groaning, waiting for the sons of man to step up and take their place. That's you guys. That's me. Isn't that cool? So, so the Holy Spirit is driving this deal. And, and, and another, another proof is if you look at history, starting with Adam and Eve, and then you go to Noah, and then all through history, so up till Jesus' time, you know, about the best weapons they had was a rock tied on the end of a stick. You know, it was a really sharp rock, but that was it. You know, some swords that were made out of bronze, and they mostly broke when you beat somebody with them. You know, it, it just really, the wheels were still wooden, uh, just really weren't too advanced. I mean, I had 4,000 years to figure out to throw rocks, you know. But then, Jesus died. He was resurrected. He left the Holy Spirit. 1960-some years later, we're putting a man on the moon. <laughs> People quit dying. The population of the world in Jesus' day was 500 million. We're 7 billion. We're healthier. We're, I don't know if we're any smarter, but we're more, we're more informed. We, we, this room's air-conditioned. It wasn't always been like that, has it? Remember your wedding? I remember you talking about it. It was hot. And that was not that long ago. So, but in 6,000 years, you know, I mean, that's pretty long. We've come a long ways. But it, all of that innovation, all of that technology, every single bit of it was Holy Spirit driven. A lot of it driven by the Holy Spirit through people that didn't even know the Holy Spirit. The majority of them did. If you look at the Christians that invented and the Christians that did and the Christians that thought and all that. But that's a whole nother lesson. I'm about out of time. But I just want you to rethink, rethink your theology on this deal. As he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we. He, he said the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and give it to you. And Jesus has everything. We just have to ask for it. So we need to, to flip, our, flip our deal around here, our filters. We need to change, make sure that we're looking through the right glasses. So when you're reading the Old Testament and, and, and you've gotten saved by this loving, kind God that sent Jesus for you, and Jesus laid down his life for you, and he filled you with the Spirit. And you read in Old Testament, and it's not matching. 
Now you understand why. We live in a different deal. And so I'm just going to leave you with this. Uh, just new covenant. We have a new covenant. I'm out of time, but we have a new covenant, a better covenant. And it just Hebrews 8 and 9, 12. Hebrews talks a lot about it. Uh, so, so when you don't understand some of that stuff, trust God's character. You know, faith is believing that God's who he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. Faith is having uh, confidence in God's word. But sometimes you don't know that specific word. But you know God's character. You know it because the Holy Spirit has explained it to you. And, and you just have to say, you know, I really don't have a scripture for this one. But I know the heart of God. The heart of God beats in me. The Holy Spirit beats in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. He will never leave me. I have the mind of Christ. So I know I have all this stuff because I am under the new covenant. And that I just want to, to help everybody adjust their filter. And don't, you know... One of these days, the trump's going to blow and Jesus is going to come back. Whether that's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, I don't know. Because I've studied it all the ways you can study it. I've read the books because I'm a fanatic when I get to thinking about something and i got to know. And the one thing I can tell you from everything I've studied and everything I've read, they've all got good points and nobody knows. So if God was keeping it a secret, it's probably for a good reason. You don't need to know. But what you do need to do is step out in who you are and let that Holy Spirit flow out of you and touch people and raise people up and, 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 and be who you are. Let that righteousness flow out of you. And don't worry about it. I want to be alive when the rapture comes. I just think that would be so cool. But there's, there's 700 million of us, but that means there's 6 billion, 300 million that aren't us. We got a job to do. So step it up. Quit worrying about what Satan's doing. The only thing he's doing is running from you when you stand up. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.